Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace. Sit back, relax, and listen in. God the Father says, okay, I need to make this individual look like him. He was born in sin. He wasn't born in sin. He, was, he lived a righteous and a holy life. All his life. He led the ultimate example for us. So what does God begin to do? He said, okay, I got to make him like Jesus. Okay. So through his Holy Spirit, he begins to chisel us. He begins to work on us until we begin to have form. And then after a while, he said, okay, the face looks okay. Okay. So now he's, he's talking like my son now. Okay. Because it's not just an external work. It's an internal work as well. He does a work on the heart and the soul. And so he begins to work. He said, okay, got the arms. Okay. Got the feet. All right. Stop walking in place. Stop walking in place. Amen. Stop walking. Okay, he, he, he's walking like him now. Okay, he got, he got the stride like Christ. Okay, okay. He don't got the moves like Jagger, but he got the moves like Jesus. Okay, okay, I, I, yeah. Okay, he's, he's walking in place. And now, okay, okay. Now, now, now he's talking. Amen. Okay, he's talking. Okay, now he's communicating. Amen. Now he's looking the way Christ looks, and he's hearing the way Christ hears. He, he's understanding the deeper meaning of life. He, he has purpose. And so this is how God begins to work on us. But I'm going to show you the tools that he uses to make us more like Christ. Thank you, gentlemen. Give God praise for them. Amen. That was weak. I said give God praise for them. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. So here are the unexpected tools that God uses to make us more like Christ. These are the things that he allows to chisel us, to, to make us, amen, like Christ. Number one, God uses trouble. Oh, he uses trouble to teach us to trust him. That's the whole statement. God uses trouble to teach us to trust him. He uses trouble. Let's play the game, double trouble. He uses trouble to teach us to trust him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, trouble produces, now he, this is what trouble does. Trouble produces patience. Amen? I mean, sometimes we got to wait on God to change some circumstances. Sometimes when we find ourselves in troubling situations, the change doesn't happen overnight. It takes some time. Why does it take some time? Because it's producing something in you. It's producing Patience. Trouble produces patience. And patience, the scripture keeps on reading, produces character. The patience produces character. So it goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. I love that. God uses trouble to teach us to trust him. Amen? I, I, I think about the fruit that comes from an apple tree. You know, when you plant a seed, an apple seed in the ground, you know it takes five years before it actually produces its first offspring of fruit? Five years. 
And the Bible says that we are to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, meekness, and discipline. There's no such law. Amen. So it takes time. He works in us. He chisels us. He prepares us. Amen. We go through the process. Amen. To be patient. To, to go through the trials, to go through the tribulations, to become more like him. Mark 14, verse 32 to 34, it says this, and this, this is talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before he's about to become crucified. Jesus himself, remember the ultimate example for us is going through. He said they came to a garden called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. The Bible continues to say, this is, this, this, this is, um, Jesus praying, in distress and anguish, distress and anguish came over him. And he said, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. This is Jesus saying, Lord, is there another way? I really don't want to be crucified. This is not the process that I really want to do. Because the anguish, that anguish, that, that pain was so powerful that word sorrow is the word depression. Jesus was depressed. He was having a depressing moment. The sorrow in my heart is so great that it almost crushes me. In other words, he feels the pressure. When you go through trouble, you'll feel the pressure. How many felt the pressure of trouble? It's the thing that keeps you awake at night. It's the thing that continues to just go through your mind. You're like, all right, calm your mind now. Calm your mind. And it gets repeating over and over and over and over and over and over. And you're trying to quiet. You're trying to pray. You're trying to do something else to get your mind over it. But it's still there. It's the pressure that Jesus was feeling. It was the stress. The stress. The stress. I was, I was watching a, a medical show this week. I think it was Dr. Oz. And he talked about how people who are under stress, it produces extra cortisone in their body. And, 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 that, and, that, and, that, and that causes you not to be at rest. That actually causes your brain to shrink over time, it talks about. That you can't even function right, you can't even think right, because just the pressure, the overwhelm, it causes your body not to digest its food properly. Causes you not to have the mental focus and, and the mental strength that you need because you're just so overwhelmed. God uses it. He uses it. Everything. God doesn't waste anything. He uses everything. Even all your failures and your mistakes. He uses it all to be become more like him. He said, the sorrow in my heart is so great that it, that it almost, it didn't crush him, it almost crushed him. And that's the good thing. God will allow us to go to trouble, and it will seem like it's going to take us out. But it's not going to take us out. It's not going to kill us. It's not going to destroy us. It seems like it. It seems like it's too much to bear, but he gives you the grace to endure it. God uses trouble to teach us to become more like him. That's what he wants. That's what he does. That's the tool that he uses to form us more like his son, Jesus. So here are the secrets of survival. These are two things that will help you. These are two things that will help you. Amen. To, 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 to trust God, even in the time of, of, of trouble. One of the things I say, keep a journal. If you're not journalized, start journalizing. Write your feelings out. Write them out. Write them out. Write how you feel. Journalize. I need to see, you don't need to see a counselor. You need to write your feelings out. There ain't nothing wrong with you. Well, I'm stressed. Write your feelings out. It's cathartic. 
it will clear your mind and your soul. Write, 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 write. Keep a spiritual journal. Write how you feel. You'll be shocked by the stuff that comes out on that paper. And you, you'll be even more shocked by the way you feel when it's out. It feels like, whoo, I just cleansed my soul. Lord have mercy. Keep a journal. Write. And remember the reward. Remember the benefits. The Bible says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a greater eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So in other words, all the trouble that you're going through is preparing you for something greater. God is saying, for all the trouble you went through, I'm going to bless you for that. So even though this is just light, he said it's light. He didn't say it was heavy. He said it's light momentary stuff. So trouble don't last always. This is seen that song back in the choir. I'm so glad trouble don't last always. I'm so glad. Y'all remember that song? Trouble don't last always. Your trouble has an expiration date. Thank God. Thank God your trouble has an expiration date. Trouble do not last always. So keep a spiritual journal. Amen. And remember the reward. Uh, of, of what you're going through, that God is going to get you through it. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the next point. So God teaches us, or he uses, amen, trouble to teach us to trust him. Okay, number two, God uses temptations to teach us to obey. God uses temptations. Yes, temptations, the thing that we struggle with. He uses it to teach us to obey. Are uh, we going to give in to the desires or the pressure of the temptation Oh, we're going to obey and trust him. Amen? We all have temptations that we deal with. The Bible says in Matthew 4, chapter 1, then Jesus was led into the spirit, um, Jesus led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. It's often in dry places. The desert represents a dry place. It's symbolic of a dry place and a lonely place. It's often where we are alone and we go through hardships that we face different types of temptations that come our way. When we're idle, when we're not doing nothing, when we're just sitting around, just twiddling our thumbs and wasting time, we find ourselves getting into trouble that we don't need to get into. Amen? That's why we ought to, to work while it's day, because when night comes, no man can work. Amen? We hear the story in the Word of God where the Bible says it was, at, it was that time where kings were going to war, but David was chilling at the palace. He said, well, y'all can go on the wall for me. I, I'm going to chill at the palace today. I'm not going to go into battle. And that's when he got in trouble with Bathsheba and, and slept with a married woman and had, and had a husband killed. He got himself into trouble. Got the girl pregnant and everything. Messed, just, just about messed everything up. And God had to come in and turn everything around because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Jesus said, as the devil was tempting him. He said, get out of here, Satan. Get out of here. Let's scream real quick. Get out of here, Satan. Oh, y'all sound so weak. I ain't going, if I was the devil, I ain't going nowhere. Say, get out of here, Satan. That's right. You gotta, that's how you got to talk to the devil. Come on. That's how you got to talk to him. got to talk to that bugger just like that. Get out of here. Satan, I rebuke you in the name. Sometimes some thoughts, the Bible talks about the missiles that, that the devil throws, the flaming missiles. Those are some crazy thoughts. I'm walking down the street. It's crazy thoughts. I'm like, what? Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Come on, you got to talk to yourself sometime. Sometimes you got to talk to your flesh and say, okay, flesh, calm it, 
calm your, calm it down. I don't think you won't go on the fast if you don't stop. You battling yourself. Come on. There's a battle going inside of you. And if your flesh start craving stuff that the word of God said you cannot have, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm trying to become more like Christ. But if my flesh begin to act up and crave things that it does not need, you will be going on the fast. We'll kill that desire in you. We'll kill that thing. Come on now. You have to crucify, the Bible says, crucify the deeds of your flesh. That's where the crucifixion happens because you have to deny yourself. Christ denied himself and got up on that cross. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so he's like, Lord, is there no, ain't no other way. You got to die to that. You got to die to it. Shoot, sometimes my, my struggle with food, I'd be fasting. And all of a sudden, I start smelling McDonald's. I'm like, come on, Jesus. Why today? And they won't give you coupons. I'm like, Lord, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the frappe right now. Lord, I don't need, I don't need the McChicken spicy today. And I'll be the day when someone comes, hey, pastor, let me treat you your lunch. And that's the test, like. And, I, and, you, and you know, it just takes a quick second for you to make your decision. You already know what you're going to do. Either you're going to say yes or no. You don't be like, hmm, let me think. It's either yes or no. That quick. And that's how the devil gets us. Because it's just that quick. You're like, oh, man, I messed up. Dang, he got me this time. Temptation. Temptation. Come on now. Come on now. You, you, you got to fortify yourself. You got to strengthen yourself. Come on, because let me tell you, the devil is slick. And the thing is, he don't use anything new. He uses the same old tactics. He just repackaged them differently. And you be like, psych, and you just be falling every time over and over and over again. Come on. He don't use no new tactics. It's the same old stuff, just repackaged differently. Come on now. But you have to say, Satan, get out of here. I bind your schemes, your lies, your trickery, your deceit. You got to go. You are exposed right now before my eyes. You got to go in the name of Jesus. Come on. Sometimes I go in places that you can tell, come on. Sometimes you go walk in a place, you can tell something not right. You can feel something about to happen. Sometimes you go to work. I remember I was working in, in the secular I would go to the bank in the morning. I'm like, something don't feel right. I come and you feel the tension in the air. I'm like, uh-uh, not today. The blood of your father, give me grace. I speak peace in this place right now. I'm a child of God. I cover this whole place. That's the type of power you have. You make a difference when you go because you're carrying the presence of God with you. You don't need to be influenced by the atmosphere. You can shift the atmosphere. So you don't have to get into all the arguments and your boss acting up and this acting up. No, no, no. I don't have to participate in that. Amen. I'm going to speak peace in here. Come on now. We're going to shift the atmosphere in this place today. I'm not going to respond with an attitude. No, ear. what? What do you want? Excuse me? Hold it. Hold it. I'm not the one. Jesus is. Take it to him. Come on. You can't fall for that stuff because sometimes the enemy will trick you. That's why we, we get the saying, oh, I guess you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. There's no wrong side of the bed this morning. You wake up, you wake up. <laughs> on the right side, on the Lord's side. How about that? Come on now. 
I know some mornings are, are, are harder than other moment or other mornings, amen. But we don't need to become all stressed out and all irritated, amen, because our day didn't start the way we thought it was going to start, amen. Don't fall into the temptation to, to, to respond through your old fleshly nature. Come on now. God gives you the power to overcome it, but the choice is, are you taking the power? Are you taking what he has? Amen. God uses temptation to teach us to obey. How do we do that? What, what, what are the secrets of survival? Here, here go two things. Here go two things. Number one, keep focused on good thoughts. Not happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. The Bible says in Philippians Chapter 4, verse 8. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. That's the mind of Christ. That's the type of mind that he wants us to have. So when we deal with the pressures in our home, with our family, with our spouse, with our children, amen, on our jobs, driving on the highway because someone cut you off or grandma's going too slow, good thoughts, happy thoughts, good thoughts, what's true. Come on now. I'm trying to get to work, Granny, move it! Someone slip you the birdie and you want to go and because they cut you off, you want to speed around and then you want to cut them off like, take that! And have a blessed day in the Lord. Come on, y'all know it's right. Come on now. God help us. Keep focused on good thoughts. Because anybody don't have good thoughts. Keep focused on the good stuff. Amen. You'll get by every time. You'll get over every time. Every time. And second thing for the, the secret of survival, under God uses temptation to teach us to obey, get a spiritual partner. We were just talking about this last week. Get a spiritual partner. Get a spiritual partner. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, you are better off to have a friend than to be all alone. If you fall, your friend can help you get up. But if, if you don't got no one there, you're going to stay in a ditch somewhere. Amen? Get you some friends. Find somebody. That's why we encourage you to create community this week. Find a brother. Find a sister that you normally don't talk to. Check up on them. That's a friend. We need friendship. Amen? So we come to church, we come to church faith. So we say, praise the Lord. Everything is good. All right, every now and then, if we're really going through something, we say, well, Pastor, just break my strength in the Lord. I'm going through. Here's my prayer request. But come on, we deal with troubles every day. Problems every day. And we need community. We cannot do it by ourselves. No man is an island unto himself. Get a spiritual partner. Amen. If you're married, praise the Lord. Your spouse is your spiritual partner, but sometimes you need someone outside of your spouse. I love Pastor Alverna, but sometimes I don't want to talk to Pastor Alverna. I need to call Minister Dwayne. I need to call Pastor Dag. I need to call somebody else. Come on. Sometimes you need someone of the same sex that, uh, that operates, that understands. Come on. Come on. Your wife ain't going to understand the sports game the way you are. Come on now. Come on now. She ain't going to understand me going to see the movies, go see the Avengers the way you, the, the way you are. Come on now. Come on now. So sometimes you need someone who has like passions, who has, who has things that you have in common. Amen. And your spouse can't answer all that by her, by her or himself. You need somebody else. And it's okay. You need friends. Amen. We got Friends Day coming up. National Friends Day is the first 
Sunday in um, August, and that's going to be our Friends of Family Day, amen? And we, we, we're going to talk about that's what friends are for. Come on now. Amen. I know Dion Warwick made it popular, amen, but we're going to bring him back. We're going to revise that, amen. We'll talk about what friends really are for, amen? Jesus is a friend that's taking closer than a brother. I got to move. I got to move. Okay, let's go to number three. God uses, here we go, trespasses to teach us to forgive. He uses trespasses to teach us to forgive, okay? These are people who hurt you. These are people who've done things against you. Yes, he even uses that to chisel you, to make you into his image. He wants you to become more like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus come on. Jesus went through trials. He went through temptation. Jesus went through trouble. And Jesus, Shauna, had dealt with trespassing. Those who have trespassed against him. Matthew 27, 39 to 44 says, people passing by shook their heads and hurled insults at Jesus. We've been out there where people just shake their head at you and be like, oh, Lord. Thanks. Just shook their head like, like there's no good to you. You, you washed up. You're done. It's over. You, you're just a hot mess. Ain't nothing can help you right now. They hurled insults at Jesus. And the elders made fun of him. The elders, these old wise men, the men that sat at the gates of the city, that were making fun of Jesus. Got the nerve. Have you had someone make fun of you, mock you? Even the bandits who have been crucified with him, insulted him in the same way. But Jesus said, and I love what he says in verse, in chapter Luke 23, verse 34, he said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they are doing. Forgive these people. Jesus did not get bitter. He got better. And that's what you need to do with people hate against you. You got haters. Don't get bitter over it because, let me tell you something, you're making yourself sick. You're killing yourself to hold that, po- come on, to hold that stuff inside. I was listening to a message this week, and a pastor was talking about the hurt pocket. He talks about in everybody's soul, there is a hurt pocket. And the hurt pocket is hurt that people have given you that you have not dealt with properly. The only way to deal with hurt is to take it before the Lord in prayer and to deal with it. And if you don't handle hurt the proper way, guess what happens? It gets locked up in, it gets locked up in your soul, and you keep that hurt there. All the way down to childhood. I remember one time my wife and I were praying. We first got married. I was praying. And God was taking me through a process of healing. And all of a sudden, as we were praying, she said, honey, I think there's some unforgiveness in your heart. I'm like, what you mean? Unforgiveness in my heart. A man of God. What you mean unforgiveness in my heart? She said, no, I think, she said, you know, and she tread lightly. You know, you know, you know, just come out. You got unforgiveness, sister. Get right. You don't just come out like that. But, you know, she came in her, you know, her honey, sweetie voice, you know, honey, as we're praying, you know, there's unforgiveness in your heart. And I said, okay. I said, Lord, if this ain't going to show me, because sometimes you can forget the hurts. You can just put hurt on top of hurt, on top of hurt, on top of hurt. And you just say, I'm fine, ain't no wrong. And you just, and you, and you just, you allow that hurt to fuel you, to drive you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when people say things against you, you, you have an attitude, I'll show them. I'll show them, but, she ain't, but and, and you're going through life driven by hurt, 
but not driven to be diligent. Come on now. And so we, we, have, we, we, we have this hurt pocket. I wasn't supposed to preach this. You have this hurt pocket on the inside of you. And you just keep locking up hurt after hurt after hurt after hurt. And I begin to pray. I said, Lord, search me. Isn't that what David said? Search me. If this is something I don't know about, reveal it to me. Hey, God had the nerve to reveal it to me. He had the audacity. Who do you think you are? God. And he took me right back while I was in the third grade. I'll never forget this. So it's not that the Lord hurt like someone hurt your feet. I'm talking about people break your spirit. While I was in the third grade, I remember sometimes I get teary-eyed thinking about it because it's real. You have a real hurt. Just don't talk about it. I mean, it was playing basketball. And, I was never, and this is why I never became a sports person to this day. We're playing basketball. You know, I was learning how to play basketball. I didn't know about, nothing about no basketball because, you know, back in the streets, you know, the only thing black kids did back then was play basketball. We didn't know about no hockey. No soccer, no football, no, 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 none of that stuff. It was just basketball. Amen? You got skips, you got hoops, let's go to the courts. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're from Union. Stop acting like you all say, like you grew up in the suburb. You know what I'm talking about. And so, and so we had the basketball hoops. So we're playing basketball, basketball. So I was playing basketball. And so I was in elementary school, third grade. I remember the, um, the middle school kids came from IS-183. You remember that, Mom? Eyes went through. And so they came, and so they started playing with the little kids or whatever. And so because I wasn't that good at basketball, I was just learning. My teacher was teaching me how to play basketball. I wasn't as good. And so I just kind of just backed up when it came on. Because it's like, who got next? Who got next? You know how we do? Who got next? Who got next? Who got next? You know, and so I'm just like, okay, okay, y'all, y'all, y'all go ahead. And I just kind of stayed to the side. I thought my friends were going to come with me just let them play. But they started playing basketball because they had some type, you know, they had skill. So I just kind of just slipped away, you know. And the, only, and the only thing you could do back then was play. They gave out jump ropes to the girls to pay jump ropes. Y'all remember this. Come on, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they gave out basketball to the guys to play basketball at lunchtime. And that was it. Every now and then you might have got a dodgeball, the red ball, to play dodgeball. That only came out at special occasions. Come on, church folk. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. I'm from the hood. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. And so I just kind of stuck to the side. But that thing broke my spirit because I felt like I was not good enough. I can't play sports. My friends don't even want me to laugh. And so that went into my hurt pocket because I didn't know how to deal with that as a young child. And so after a while, I just stopped, I stopped hanging out with I stopped hanging out with my friends. I just became hung up by myself. I found other people who were rejected because misery likes company. So I hung out with all the rejects. Oh, they don't want you to play. I don't know how to play either. And so we just hung up and created our own our own group. You know, we went to get the 50 cent icy man because he used to come around the school park, get a little 50 cent icy, a little coconut and cherry. And then we just went on the side and we just chilled the whole period while everybody, you know, was playing basketball on the court. They hear, earned, it's time to go back to class after lunch. You know what I'm talking about. And so that was my hurt. And I did not know for 20 something years that thing was locked up on the inside of me. And God began to expose other things that people did to me. And I realized I had developed this inferiority complex over time. And I realized I had this mindset that I had to show, I had to prove to people who I was. And I became so concerned about what people think, I didn't even give myself any credit for anything. 
And I had this, I, I would show them. I'm going to date, I'm going to make them pay for what they said. Because I'll be the type of person, you might stab me in the back now, but someday you're going to need me. And I'm going to make you feel it when you need me. Like, oh, you need me now, okay. Uh, I hope you out, but mm-hmm. I didn't say it, but I made you felt it like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, 10 years ago, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. But that was bitterness. And some of us are driven by that hurt. Someone said you could, your father said you couldn't do something. Your mom said you couldn't do something. Your friend said you couldn't do something. And he's like, I'm going to show them. Not you just being diligent at what you, what you desire in your heart to do, but you being fueled by pain, by bitterness, by anger, by resentment. He said, I'll show them that I can do this. I'll let the world see. But God doesn't bless that because you'll get to the top and it's lonely at the top. You'll be all by yourself, killing yourself for nothing. Let it go. Let it go. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Father, heal me. Heal my heart from that hurt. Be honest with Jesus. I said, Lord, I was hurt. I felt less than a person at that time in my life. I felt hurt. I said, Lord, I felt less than a human being. Heal me. Heal my heart, Lord. Only you can do it. And you know when you heal, because when you think about it, the stinger's not there anymore. So we could touch certain things in your life right now. You're like, ah! Don't talk about that subject. I'll bite back. I'll bark at you because that means that you're still not healed. When you're healed is when you can touch the sore. And it doesn't bother you anymore. You can rub it. You can rub it all you want. You can point to it. But look at that sore. Look at that. I'm healed. It doesn't bother me anymore. That's how you know you're healed. God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. Christ is working on us. The secrets of survival, God, 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 um, remember God has forgiven you, first of all. And because he's forgiven you, he's given you the power to forgive other people. And the other secret to survival is remember that God is in control. That even in the midst of hurt and pain and, and denial and people hating at you, remember that God is in control and he loves you. When we go through exactly what Christ goes through, which is the same troubles, if we go through hard times with him, then we are certain that we are, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. In other words, if we're going through the bad times and all the troubles and people saying things, and we're going to have a good time too because Christ rose up from the dead with all victory. He didn't rose up and say, I'll show them I'm a Christ, I'm a Messiah. He said, no, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to focus on my purpose. That's why you don't have to give an answer to everybody. Jesus, the, are you the son of Christ? The Bible said he was silent. He said, that's what you said. <laughs> he was focused. He was quiet. He's being diligent on his course. Don't let no one take you off your course. You let people frazzle you. Don't let people frazzle you. Sometimes you don't have to even give an answer or a reply. Just keep silent and keep on going about your business. Did you have everybody who want to be nosy and, and get in your business and find out what's going on and how you doing and this like that or whatever? I remember, I remember, as, a, I remember as a child, I remember uh, my mom had some people, you know, in the complex who didn't care for her, right? So they, they thought they could get information through the children. So Maurice, my name was Maurice. They called Maurice. So Maurice, how's your mom doing? 
She home right now? Because fine, she got if she's working or not. She home right now? Where's she at? Tell her, tell her Miss Such and Such said hi. How you doing? How's your sister? Your daddy still there? He still live at the house? He still with y'all? And y'all get information. Watch people. People are slick. They don't really care how you're doing. They want you to, to talk so they can get something to use against you. Lord, give us discernment today. I thought that was for somebody. Give us discernment today. Don't cast your pearl to swine. Be careful what you say, because it'll come back and haunt you. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Lord. I felt that. Glory to God. Look, I want you all to watch this video real quick, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to pray, okay? Amen. Watch this video. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh, okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe... Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. Oh, the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Time out. <laughs> 
I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know? I'll stay right here, and then, you That's know... That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize. Heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years. These empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah. But you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in me. Because I know who's inside you. 
because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not for me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach your back pocket. What? Reach your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me. And I feel so useless. If you'll take me, then use me. Then, God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy... Is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And 
so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. were created to become like Christ. You are his masterpiece. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. We're going to pray right now. I think that video speaks for itself. And I believe God is calling us to surrender to him in the process. Amen. To give our lives fully over to him. If you're saying, Pastor, that's me and I I'm just like Tommy. I need to surrender to the process. I realize there's some areas in my life that I know that God is touching and he wants to chisel away so I can look more like Jesus. I, I, I want to give my, myself fully to him. He loves us so much. Hallelujah. If that's you, I just want you to stand. I'm standing already. Like it's because I'm speaking, but I know I'm standing because I know there's some areas that God wants to chisel away. But we have to surrender to the process of the Holy Ghost. We have to surrender to him today. And he's looking for us to surrender this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you, Lord God, as clay coming on the wheel of a potter. And, Father, we're asking that you will mold us and make us this morning, God. Father, we were created to become like Christ. Oh, God, not Christ in, in terms of his power, in terms of his lordship, but in Christ in terms of the example that he set for us to live a victorious life. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, that whatever area of our life that you want to deal with, that you are putting your finger on. You're saying, I want to mold that area. I want to chisel that area. I want to work on that area. Father, help us. For some of us, it's our anger. For some of us, it's our passion. For some of us, oh God, oh God, it's our finances, oh God. It's, 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 it's our health for some of us, God. Father, it's our jealousy. Sometimes it's the hurt. It's the unforgiveness. It's, it's, it's the feeling that we have to show ourselves up because we care more about what people think than more about what you think, oh God. So, Father, I pray, even now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you would help us today, God. Oh God, it's going to be painful. Sometimes we're going to be like Tommy just said, please stop it. I can't. It's just too much to bear. But then you say, I will not give you more than you're able to bear. That he will make a way to escape every temptation. Oh God, I thank you today that you do not leave us comfortless. But that you give us your Holy Spirit. That we can trust you. We can rely on you, oh God. So Father, I bless you today. For what you're going to do in my life. Oh God, as a man. As a husband. As a pastor. What you're going to do in the lives of these parishioners, Lord God. The sons and daughters of this house, God. I thank you that in the days and the weeks to come, we will look in the mirror. We will not look the same. We'll start seeing more of Jesus in our lives. We'll start seeing you work it out. And then when we communicate, in the way we share, and then when we walk, in the way we talk, there was something different about you. 
It's the Lord. He's doing a new thing in me. So, Father, do a new thing. Do a new thing in my brother, in my sister. Oh, God, the mothers and the fathers here. Do a new thing, oh, God, in the name of Jesus, oh, God. Father, we bless you, God. Do a new thing in us, oh, God. We seek your face this morning, God, because you love us this morning. Can we just begin to worship the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He loves us so much. 